The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week is every week. We're working hard to make sure you get the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. Now, I've been gone for a couple of weeks, and maybe you didn't know that because I pre-recorded shows with people and you listen to those, but we're live this week, which means uh, you can call in with questions at 877-772-9658 or email them to askvina at gmail.com. Uh, but also it means a lot of, th- a lot of stuff is like backed up in the system. Lots of events coming up here sponsored by Cincinnati Rhea. And I want to give you a quick overview because Man, August is August is crazy. Uh, Cincinnati Rhea is sponsoring a two-day workshop next week called "How to Find More Off-Market Deals Than You Can Deal With." It is here in Cincinnati. It is a live-only event, but it's very worth it, in my humble opinion, because uh, I am co-teaching it along with Pete Fortunato. Uh, who's always worth traveling to come and see. And what's really cool about this event is 100% of the uh, tuitions are going to charity for this particular one. So that's not why you're going to come. You're going to come because you want to learn to find all the deals you can handle. And Pete and I have very different ways of going about doing that. Uh, And you're going to learn both of those, both the, the more direct mail marketing side and also the more just go out and network your way into deals and repeat and referral business side. Uh, you can get information on that. Uh, time is obviously running out. It's about 10 days away. Uh, um And there's, I think there's only about 11 seats left in that. Also this Saturday, Cincinnati Rhea is sponsoring an all day online workshop on how to do foreclosures and invest in tax liens. Uh, these are two these are two sources of deals that are becoming uh, a bigger and bigger deal as folks are starting to find themselves not able to get those uh, loan modifications they were hoping to get when they didn't pay their payments during COVID. They were sort of, let's be honest, they were sort of told they were going to get them. And then it's in many cases uh, has not actually come to pass, but that means There are sellers out there who need your help in exiting their properties gracefully and uh, dealing with them in pre-foreclosure through short sales, 
uh, is a way to do that where going to the auction and bidding on their houses is not. So again, information available on that at CincinnatiRia.com. And that second event is an online event. So you can really attend it from any place in the whole country. Uh, so today on Real Life Real Estate Investing, we're tackling, we're tackling notes and mortgages investing, but from a little bit different angle than we've ever talked about it before. Uh, we're going to talk about how to maybe create your own note investing business by creating your own notes instead of going out and looking for them and I don't know, bidding against other people for them and constantly being in, how do I find another deal mode? Okay, well, just make your own. That's the answer. Um, my guest today is Tracy Z, who has been in the note investing world for <laughs> a very long time. I often, I often hate to say numbers, uh, with, with particularly women because I hate to hear the number about how long I've been in the business because it makes me feel old, but it's been a number of presidential administrations ago. Let's just say it that way. She's joining us today by phone to talk about creating your own notes. Tracy, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hello, Vina. Thanks for having me on here. I don't mind saying it's been 30 plus years I've been in the seller finance note investment <laughs> space. So, you know, Experience has to come with some benefits, right? <laughs> it, 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 it does. And, and let me say, you don't look like you possibly could have been in the business that long. <laughs> thanks, thanks. <laughs> Cause you can't see me, right? Cause I got the voice for radio. <laughs> oh, I've, I've seen you. You, you definitely. Yeah. I know. I'm <laughs> so, so let's, uh, let's start with, um, something that, I think a lot of our listeners, because they're like devoted real estate people, you know, mm-hmm. always yep. wonder, like, how does somebody choose to go into the note investing side of the business instead of the real estate investing side of the business? What did your journey look like that made you go, oh, nope, <laughs> I don't, don't want rentals, want notes? Uh, yes, that is a very good question. I, I grew up in a very small town up by the Canadian border, and I worked for an attorney that did everything. They did real estate closings. They did servicing of some notes and an escrow. They worked with a lot of seller financing because in rural areas, that tends to be a higher percentage of that. Mm-hmm. And they actually would pull records for people who would market to these seller finance note holders. And I thought that was all very interesting. And then I moved to the big city in air quotes of Spokane, Washington. And I went to work for this company. That's what they did. They bought and sold seller finance real estate notes. And I went to work there in 1988. And the gentleman who ran that company had been already doing it for 30 plus years himself. So it wasn't a new thing. But they were kind of regional. And I was I was doing closing for them. And, and we, we expanded through the United States and I was uh, hired, we have to 50 closers, I moved into the underwriting, then I moved into the sales, and I, I love the world of note investing, that it was backed by real estate. You got this cash flow, but somebody else was paying the taxes and the insurance and the upkeep. And I love notes so much I wanted to buy them, but I wasn't allowed to do that while I worked there. It was a conflict of interest, and I understand why that was. So for the 10 years that I worked there, I bought real estate, because we could do that. And we could buy and sell real estate with seller financing, so you could 
buy and be uh, have the owner finance it, you could sell and you could finance it. That was all okay. I just couldn't go out and compete with them for notes. So I was a landlord and I was becoming a burned out landlord. I really wanted to do the thing I was doing for the company day in and day out because I saw the benefits of it. I understood the time value of money and the security of real estate. And so after 10 years of being with them, I uh, started my own note investing company with my husband. We co-founded it, and we have been buying and selling notes ever since on our own uh, since then. And so we still use some institutional paper, and we still use some private funds like self-directed IRAs, but that was my journey. Now, I got to tell you, I thought I knew everything about buying notes because I did it for 10 years for this big company. And then I went out and started buying notes for myself, and boy, did I get an education when it was my own dime. <laughs> <laughs> The, the, the evaluation feels different when you're the one who could lose money if it's gone gone all if it goes all wrong. Absolutely, yes. And so you know that it was a learning experience for the first five years of doing it for myself. And uh, but I love I love note investing, and I I'm not one of those people who knock real estate investing. It's a great vehicle as well. It just sometimes depends on the stage of your life, and sometimes there's a balance of both some real estate and some notes because one's more active, one's more passive, one takes more of your time and energy, another one, once you set it up and just manage it, there's more chance for velocity. So I think it's part of a balanced portfolio, whether you're selling or buying real estate or selling or buying notes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In, in the same number of years that you've been in <laughs> note buying of, <laughs> of watching uh, how how real estate investors sort of uh, careers progress, how their businesses progress. I've noticed that the folks who, who make it all the way through like the estate builder stage and, you know, I'm, 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 I'm acquiring cash flow, I'm acquiring cash flow, I'm acquiring cash flow. And then into the ender stage, almost a hundred percent of the late stage estate builders and the enders have some or all of their portfolio and notes, even even ones who started out saying, "Oh no, 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 I'm never going to own a note." They, you know, I want the I want the property. I want the property. They end up going into notes, and honestly, I'm I'm one of them. I, I ten years ago, I would have said, "Oh no, 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 real estate's my thing. I understand it. I don't need to learn a new thing. I I want something. I want something that." Uh, it's it's never going to pay off, right? Like if I have a rental property, mm -hmm. it, it there's never mm -hmm. a day when the tenant makes the last payment and I don't get any more payments and oh I don't want any of that. And now yeah. I'm I'm finding myself more and more heavily in the note business. And interestingly, uh, a lot of the notes that I do are exactly what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> They're me starting with a property turning it into a note and then keeping either either keeping the note or in some cases uh, selling the note off. So we're going to dig into that topic right after we come back from a break. Listeners, Tracy is, um, if you're in the note business, you already know who she is. Like she is extremely highly respected and, and known in that business. And this is a great day to ask her any questions you might have about seller finance notes and particularly about um, how to how to do this thing about creating your own. You can call in your question at 877-772-9658 or you can send it via email at askvina at gmail.com. 
Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Tracy Z, and we're talking about seller finance notes, but from an angle that you may never have heard of, which is creating them yourself or maybe helping other people create them. That's a that's another that's another way of looking at this part of your education is do I do I want to buy notes and I know somebody wants to sell a property but I would rather buy a note so I'm going to help them turn the property into a note and then I'm going to buy the note. You know, that's 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 another way to uh, consider this. I've been involved in some very profitable deals that worked exactly like that. Um, now, Tracy, let's, uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to direct listeners if they, if they want to hear more about just like notes and how do you buy them and, you know, why would you buy them and things like that to our archive of, I don't know, hundreds of shows at this point at realliferealestate.com. If you go there and just put uh, notes into the search engine, you'll find four or five shows where we dealt with that in different ways, defaulted notes, performing notes, how they work, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, but I want to focus on for this, for this show on this idea of creating seller finance notes. And I, I just like to start by defining, I mean, seller finance note might be a new term <laughs> to a lot of people <laughs> defining what the seller finance note market is or like what a seller finance note is. And then also like how how big is that market? Like, do people really, do a lot of people really sell or finance properties? Yes, that's a great question because people think, oh, especially back when we were getting rates under 3% mortgages, they're like, who would sell or finance, right? But it happens. It's out there. So the pure essence of seller financing is, I call it Sam the seller owns a piece of property. He decides he wants to sell the property. Barb the buyer buys the property. But instead of going to the bank and getting a loan, she makes her down payment and then Sam the seller allows her to make payments over time to him for the purchase of the property. And so instead of her paying the bank, she's paying the Sam the seller. And sometimes Sam the seller still owes money to a bank. Sometimes he owns the property free and clear. But in essence, seller financing is you've got a seller who owns the property, who lets the buyer make payments to them. So that mortgage or deed of trust is created out of the transfer of the property from Sam the seller to Barb the buyer. She gives back a deed of trust or mortgage and a promissory note, just like she would to a bank, except she gives it back to that person who used to be the seller of the property. They become the note holder instead of the seller of the property, and they might want to keep that note, or they might want to become a note seller and sell that note. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think I think it might help the I think it might help folks who are who are still going okay that can't be happening that often to <laughs> to think about think about we're not just talking about transactions between somebody who lived in a house and somebody who's going to live in a house we're talking right. also about transactions between somebody who was selling a house and one of you guys who offered them payments instead of <laughs> instead of cash or going to the bank. I mean, we all know that that happens all the time, right? We, we, we're always asking sellers, well, would you would you take payments if you got a higher price? And and that that's our whole goal. So there's there's not just the the homeowner buying a house side. There's also the investor buying yes. a house side and the investor selling a house side. I sell houses on owner financing or seller financing all the time. 
because I can get better prices. I can get a good return. So yeah, they're out there. Um, do you, do you have any feel for like how big the market is? Absolutely. We run these stats. Back when I worked for the big institutional buyer, we run these stats. And now we get to run them and it's easier because most counties that record these documents are online. And so we could pull all that data. And so we've been tracking it for at least a good 10, 15 years. And on average, there are between 20 and 25 billion with a B dollars of seller finance notes created and recorded. So this is all the stuff that's recorded. Um, and it's $30,000 or above, and it's the first positions. That number isn't like your small second. So it's a substantial, and that's every single year that happens, even when, during the time when interest rates are at 3%. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So why do you like seller finance notes? I mean, I've, I've had guests on here who are like, oh, I only do institutional paper. I only buy from hedge funds that bought them from banks. What What is it about seller <laughs> finance that lights you up? First of all, it is approachable for the average investor. People say, I only buy hedge funds. I only buy from banks. You've got to have pretty big pockets and you have to usually buy in a portfolio or you're so far downstream that they've been picked over a lot if, you're, if they're selling them off the one or two now. So I like seller finance notes, first of all, because it's what I learned on, right? So mm-hmm. I understand it. And I like that I can get direct and I can do an individual deal so it's approachable from an investment amount. The sellers and buyers tend to be approachable as well. And to be honest, I can get better discounts normally when I am buying a seller finance note than I can on a bank loan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, one of the well-known, this isn't, this isn't like me dogging on seller held notes. One of the, one of the well-known challenges with any sort of seller financing, and this relates to what we're going to talk about, which is creating your own seller held notes, is that the, when you buy an institutional note, the paperwork's pretty nailed down. Like it's correct. Everything's spelled right. <laughs> if it says, if, if it says, if it says E I G H T P E R C E N T interest, then the little, the number that follows it is actually 8%. <laughs> it's not, it's not six or, or five or there's not those scrivener's errors. They're, they're appropriate. They're the appropriate documentations for the state. They're not just something that somebody downloaded off the internet and said, Oh, this will work here. Um, they're, they're properly signed, notarized, recorded. Everything is right. And in seller held notes, sometimes, often, <laughs> it seems like it's either a do it yourself job <laughs> between the buyer or the seller or like the seller went to his divorce attorney and said, will you, will you create this thing I want to create? So, so. I know, I know what you're going to say about how to overcome it if you're doing your own note. How do you overcome that when you're buying seller finance notes from sellers who did things like this? That is right on the money. Sadly, a lot of sellers don't seek professional help when they create their documents or they don't seek competent professional help. And so we do see a lot of cleanup. That's the challenge of it. That's why you do receive better discounts and returns on seller finance papers because you do have to 
go through that paperwork and help that seller sometimes uh, recreate a payment chain if they didn't use a third-party servicer or find the original note if they lost it or get it replaced if they lost it or help track it down if they lost it. If there are errors on the documents, you've got to have them work with competent legal counsel to get those repaired through a modification. If a document wasn't recorded, it needs to get recorded. If title isn't purchased, you're gonna you want to get title because you don't know what happened before that transaction. So that is definitely the challenge side for which you get paid for of buying existing seller finance notes. And we actively do market to seller finance note holders. It might be surprising though that there are also a good number between 15% and 17%, depending on the year, of those notes that are created that are created by people that create more than that create two or more in a 12 month period, two or more a year, and some three or four. So you have this group of people that understand the benefit of creating a note that is marketable on the resale market. And it's not just because they want to sell it. It's also because they know that the things a note investor requires, an institutional note investor on the secondary market, the things they require to buy a note are the same things that make that note more profitable for them if they want to hold that note. So there is a segment of the market, and it's my hope that that segment grows as people become more aware and they understand how to set these notes up right from the beginning because it makes a difference in pricing. I mean, we might offer 50 cents on the dollar for one note and 95 cents on the dollar for the next note. Well, do you want a 5% discount or a 50% discount? It comes down to your terms and your paperwork and your qualifying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's, let's, let's start down that path because as, as I, as we were talking about, you know, of all the different things, you know, which one are we going <laughs> to be able to talk about in 42 minutes? Um, <laughs> My thought was there's there's two kinds of people listening who would really benefit from knowing how to do that right. One is the person who is they've kind of already decided they want to do seller held notes. They either want to they want to invest in them in order to just get a high return or they want to effectively flip them. Right. Get 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 one at a at a big discount and sell it less of a discount. Right. So just just get cash and move on. And who want a source of inventory that is not dependent on somebody else having done it right years ago. (laughs) You know, like, sure, I can still go out and find seller held notes. But if I do it, if I create them myself, I know that they're saleable because I know how to do it right. The other kind of person is that frustrated landlord that you were there. I, I have met a bunch of people in my lifetime that really liked getting the income from a rental. Like, like they were living off of it. I didn't just like it that they needed it, but really hated <laughs> the, the tenants and the toilets and the drama and the, and you know, they would, they would, I, I would meet them at real estate associations around the country and they'd be like, oh, this would be a great business if it wasn't for the tenants. And I'm like, why are you doing what you do? Like, I, I know it's, I know it supports you, but <laughs> if you hate your life and you, and you, you disrespect your customers, you should probably go find something else to do. Well, something else to do would be sell that property and carry back a note, which provides the income. But as you said, no tenants, no toilets, no toilets, 
somebody else is paying the taxes and insurance, all of that uh, sort of stuff. So um, I think there's there's two big audiences for this. And I just got the we have to take a break sign. So we're going to dive into uh, how to do it right when we come back. Uh want to remind listeners that you can call with any questions you have about our topic of discussion today, 877-772-9658. You can also just send us an email. It's askvina, that's A-S-K-V like in Victor, E-N-A at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Tracy Z, who, by the way, y'all are going to be shocked about this, is going to be presenting at the 2023 National Real Estate Investing Summit here in Cincinnati on November 2nd through 5th. Now, I feel a little broken recordy about that, but... That didn't sound like a drum roll. That sounded like static. What are you What are you doing over there? <laughs> it was supposed to be a drum roll. You need to make it like louder or something. I don't I'm going to do it. Oh, hey, Tracy's doing it. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Um, new information. Uh, I've been telling you all for several months that there was going to be a special offer for WMKV listeners who would pledge to the station to get your ticket for the summit. And usually we don't release that information until September, but it is actually up on the website right now at wmkvfm.org. When I say it's a special offer, WMKV listeners who pledge for one or two tickets to the summit also get a bonus course. I'm going to, I'm going to leave it at that, that, that it's a, it's a bonus that you're really going to like, but there's only 20 of them available. So I'm not going to like sell the heck out of it right now because then we'll get 90 people on the website and then some of them will be mad because there's only 20 available. WMKVFM.org. Scroll down to the bottom of the page and you will see 2023 Summit. Click on that and it will give you all the details and you can get yourself signed up. I know it feels like summertime to you, but it feels like summit time to me because... November is coming faster than you think, and it is going to sell out. So get your ticket now. Get the special bonus from WMKV at WMKVFM.org. And come see Tracy. Have an hour and a half uninterrupted (laughs) to talk about uh, seller finance notes and how that works. So, Tracy, let's let's start with, we keep saying, create your own note, create your own note, create your own note. Let's start with what that looks like, because it it kind of works in reverse of what the way note buyers usually look at things. Note buyers want to start with the note. This actually starts with a property. Absolutely. So if someone owns a property, and often it's an investor, they can choose to sell it and allow the buyer to make payments. And it has, you know, you want to qualify your property because it's going to be the collateral for your note. So you want it to be a good property. You want to qualify your buyer because they're going to be making payments to you. So you want them to be a good borrower or payer. And then you get down to documenting and paperwork and all of those things. And of course, terms. I think one thing to think about when you're thinking about notes is, 
the terms that you like when you're a seller might be different than the terms you liked when you were a buyer. <laughs> and oftentimes you've got to meet in the middle somewhere. But when we talk about optimum terms, I'm usually talking about what's optimum to the seller if they wanted to resell it to a note investor for the least amount of discount. Um, if they're happy holding it at a lower rate than what's optimum, that's fine. They just have to realize if they're going to sell it, that might impact them. So yeah, you start with your property, then you move into your borrower and qualifying them. Do they have that ability to make that payment? If they're an investor, does the property have the ability to make that payment for them? If they're going to live in the property, do they have enough income to make that payment? So you start with your property, then you start with your borrower. Mm-hmm. And and we can keep talking about it from there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So just to just in everybody's mind, yes, you are... You, you, as the person who's going to do this, are in the note business, but instead of going out looking for a note that already exists, you are you are acquiring a property, or maybe you already have one. Maybe you've already got a rental that you would like to not have anymore. Uh, maybe you maybe you just retailed a property, or maybe you just fixed up a property, and you're thinking, well, it would be cool if I could get income off of that instead of you know paying this giant capital gains bill this year. Um, whatever, whatever has happened, you're starting with a property and you are then marketing it for sale as, Hey, I'll carry the financing, which is extremely attractive there, but there's, there's all sorts of very good borrowers who still can't go to the bank and get a loan. (laughs) They're self-employed. They haven't been self-employed long enough. Um, they have some, uh, credit issues that are very understandable and are in the past, but are still affecting their ability to get a loan. Uh, maybe they just don't like banks. I, I've met a lot of borrowers who are just like, nope, don't borrow money from banks. Don't like them. Don't trust them. My parents didn't like them. <laughs> Which, banks are bad. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, a, there's a huge market for that. So marketing out to the right borrower. And then, of course, um, thinking all along, even if I want to hold this for investment someday, either I or my heirs, because <laughs> some of these are some of these are 20, 30 year notes, right? Might want mm-hmm. to sell it. And therefore, I'm going to have it all. I'm going to have it all nice and packaged up, even though I don't intend to sell it. I'm going to have it all nice and packaged up so that it is saleable should I decide to do that in the future. So it's not just, you know, oh, I, I met this buyer. They should be their pay stubs. I really like them. I want to give them a chance. <laughs> Even if all of that is true, you got to have documentation in your file or no note buyer is going to be interested in any kind of price that you would be interested in selling it for. So like what kind of documentation should we be thinking about getting from these borrowers? I like to say if you're going to be the bank, if you're going to step in the role of the bank and let somebody make payments to you over time, then you need to act like the bank. And so that means you've got to get good at documentation or you've got to hire somebody who does this every day that's good at documentation. But you definitely want to make sure that if it's a homeowner that's going to live in the property, that they have the ability to repay. So you can use something like a credit application. You can get proof of income like pay stubs. You can make sure that their income covers their debt mm-hmm. and their house payment and their taxes and their insurance. And if you're like, oh, that sounds like a bank. Well, they do all those things for a reason. And so you want to make sure the borrower is going to pay you. Now, if it's 
an investor, then you might be looking at their investment track record. Uh, you might be looking at their payment compared to the rental income and taxes and insurance and maintenance. So you're either looking that the property can afford to make the payment for the investor or your and the investor has some experience, or if it's a homeowner, you're looking to see that they have the ability to make those payments. And when it's a homeowner, we don't have to get all way all into the weeds today on this, but if it's a homeowner, you definitely want to make sure they have the ability to repay because of something called Dodd-Frank, which can apply to seller financing in certain situations. It doesn't apply when an investor is buying the property, but has the potential to apply when a homeowner, somebody who expects to live in the property, is buying it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's it's beyond just know these things it's put them somewhere where you can find them later put the put the scan the application yeah. uh, scan yeah. the pay stubs um yeah i often ask for tax returns because it, yeah, banks do mm-hmm. <laughs> like what? Yep. of course i can ask for tax returns um although keeping keeping anything that's got anybody's social security number on it requires that you meet certain security requirements about that you can't just like you know leave them on your desk um uh whatever notes you've uh taken about um you know talk to talk to got got a verbal confirmation of employment from their boss all of that sort of stuff and it's not again it's not for you it's for when tracy we call tracy and ask her to buy your note and she says well show me the buyer, buyer borrower qualifications she's not going to take um oh they're really nice people and they pay on time most of the time <laughs> as as proof that that any of this is true um it, it's it's again about looking into the future and saying maybe i'm going to need to sell this note because i'm going to need cash for some i don't know vacation health crisis whatever or maybe my kids are going to want to sell the note because after i pass away they would rather have the cash than the payments so documentation in a file kept ready to share with the next potential buyer of the note. Um, what about those terms? Like what, what, what kind of terms make a seller held note attractive to a note buyer? Well, a good interest rate. Uh, I used to tell people nine to 10% depending on any laws that might restrict that related to usury, usury in your state. And they would go, how in the world can you get that when it, when rates are three and four percent? Now I don't get that response so much anymore now that <laughs> rates have gone up considerably. <laughs> but an interest rate that is, you know, I in general um, in the nine to ten percent range, depending on the property type, higher if it's a unusual type of property, just if it's land or mobile land, something like that. But that's that, that's kind of the going interest rate there. If it's a homeowner, uh, amortizing is good, uh, 20 to 30-year amortization. Shorter is always better, but as long as it doesn't affect their ability to repay. If you've got an investor in the property, uh, you can look at popping a balloon in there. Uh, it may be 10 years. You don't want to make it too short a term because you want to be able to, you know, they have an opportunity to be able to refinance if they've got any credit hiccups. Uh-huh. Uh, we like to see, I mean, in an ideal world, credit rating above 680, but we see lots and buy lots of seller finance notes, but the credit score is far below that. But then it's got to have some compensating factors. So ideal world, 20% or more down payment. Now I know that's a high down payment. So we like to see at least a 10% minimum on a newer note. 
will consider less if it's been seasoned a long time, meaning they've made payments for a long time. But if you're talking a newer note, 10% minimum. And I suggest if you can't get 20% down, you're only getting 10% down, then just push that other 10% into a second uh, because then you'll have a very marketable first. And if you do sell the first, uh, you won't take as much of the discount because you put that other amount into the second and you can hang on to that for cash flow. Some people like to put it all in a first and sell off a partial. That's possible too. But we've got a lot of people out there that are creating those notes and, and they, they recapitalize enough. They sell off enough of the notes to be able to go out and do their next deal, right? But keep some monthly cash flow either in the future or in the second. So those would be my, my preferred terms. Of course, everything's a little bit, you know, never, and nothing's ever ideal. Uh, we do like to see you set up reserves for taxes and insurance, just like a bank would. That protects you too, because some buyers have a hard time coming up with those annual bills if they're not putting away monthly. Mm-hmm. And we like to that you use a third-party licensed servicer for your state, because they'll collect that payment. They're a third neutral party. They make sure that they follow all the fair debt collection uh, reporting. They do the interest application and the mortgage interest reporting. It just saves you the time and energy um, and, and the hassle. And they'll send out late notices, all the things that you don't want to have to bother with. So that's kind of my ideal note although that situation. But we buy lots that don't meet the ideal, but that that's where I would start. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Tracy, when we come back from the break, we're going to answer some questions that listeners have sent in, some of which are very related to the process you just laid out for us. Uh, listeners, if you have any questions, you better get them in quick. Uh, probably the best way to do that at this point is askvina at gmail.com. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Talking today to Tracy Z, who is a note buyer, note expert, note educator, and will be one of the approaching 20 featured speakers at the 2023 National Real Estate Summit here in Cincinnati on November 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Again, word to the wise, go to wmkvfm.org, scroll to the bottom, click the thing that says Summit, and look what you are being offered for making your pledge to WMKV instead of directly to uh, OREA. So bunch of questions here in the uh inbox tracy uh this one is from jc in las vegas he says ask tracy what factors could potentially adequately adequately compensate for a weak credit score and down payment buyer but which would still allow a valuable note creation wow that's a big ask (laughs) The the borrower has weak credit has a low down payment but i want to create a note that's still valuable (laughs) Look, there's a reason that down payment and credit are a huge factor in banks making loans. So we buy notes with poor credit, lower down payments when they've had a lot of seasoning. Somebody else has taken the risk to be sure that they can make those payments. So how do you, when you have a brand new note, now I always say balance the scale. So tell me something good. So I'm looking for seasoning, meaning they have a proven payment history. Don't have that. I'm looking for some down payment, uh, preferably uh, 10 to 20%. They don't have that. And I'm looking for a good credit rating to show that they paid other people in the past well. They don't have that. So tell me something good. Um, and, And you can usually get away with maybe 
do the three, but you can't usually get away with three of the three unless you want to take the risk, season that paper up, step the payments for a while, and then maybe an investor will look at it. The very minimum, the man, maybe if I loved the property, loved the area, it was not a problem, it's not a state where it was long, drawn out, expensive to have to foreclose if we needed to. I don't buy notes to foreclose on them, but that's my last recourse. If you sent me a note and I just loved it for some reason, you, you told me something good about it, I might do a partial purchase on that. Mm -hmm. I might say, oh, I'll buy the next 10 years of payments. And if it performs well the next couple of years, I'll buy some more payments. Or maybe I'd say, hey, why don't you do a first and a second? And if you want to write the first at 50% and you take the other 50% and take all that risk, I'd buy that note maybe. If I love the property in the area and the, and, the, and the state for creditor rights. But I usually would say, mm, come back when you've got something good to tell me like seasoning. Mm -hmm. And you just, you just said something that, that is really important in really all aspects of the real estate investing business. But um, I, I just wanted to make sure listeners heard it. If you're in doubt, call somebody who's a potential buyer of the note before you create the note. <laughs> right? Not afterwards. <laughs> yeah, don't don't just, you know, play play and pray. It's, you know, to, to talk to talk to people who know more than you do about about the end goal. Um, and you also said something important that the real estate people are probably going to uh glom on to somewhat, which is if you like the property, if you like the uh, effective equity in the property, right? If I'm, if I'm a note buyer and I'm buying a note that is 50% of the value of the property, I feel better about that. Like I feel better about there's going to be, there's, there's, there's lots of equity to protect me should this go into foreclosure, et cetera. And it's pretty common for real estate investors to go out and buy properties at 70 cents on the dollar all in. You can sell it on a note for a hundred cents on the dollar and then creating a, a significant discount still makes you money because you paid so little for the property. Yes, exactly. And that's the strategy right there, Vina, of creating your own notes. If you're going to do that, because you've got to realize there is some discount when you sell the notes. So you've got to usually keep some profit in it by either just selling off some of the payment stream or doing the first and the second. Um, but it makes sense. Why not build in some ongoing cash flow revenue? Maybe even a, a rehabber, a flip, fix and flipper, a wholesaler. Why not build that in some of your deals so that you're not always chasing the next deal? I'm not saying you get to replace all your income tomorrow that way, but but why not have something you don't have to go out and do again next month? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, question from Mark. And this goes to, to my, uh, vivid description of some of the many problems I've seen with, when people create seller finance notes. Who draws up the note? Is it an attorney? <laughs> Is it the title company? Do you use the same template each time? <laughs> that is a great question. So there are, I suggest you use either a title company, if you're in a state where title companies customarily prepare documents, or an attorney, but not any attorney, make it a real estate attorney that's experienced. And if in doubt, you could use the Fannie Freddie sample documentation that they supply on their website. Remember, that's more towards a bank loan, so it doesn't always have all of the additional things that we sometimes like to write into seller finance to note. Uh, but that is always a great place to start. And there's one more 
option that's available to people now. And there are companies out there, mortgage loan originators, who customarily prepare uh, documents for banks that will now prepare them for seller financing for reasonable fees. And so they're out there. You just got to find people who are qualified. So any of those entities are, I believe, qualified to put together a good package. Okay, we have about one more minute to answer this question. Um, in terms of creating notes, what price, what areas and price points are the best for success here? And I think I think he means David is from California. I don't I don't think he means like is uh, yeah. is San Diego the best. I think he means like is it like a, a C neighborhood, B neighborhood, A neighborhood. Yes, I think that, interesting that there's seller financing in all 50 states, but some states have more seller financing. And some states are more desirable to note investors. So I often look at, is it a judicial foreclosure state or a non-judicial foreclosure state? So most of us like the non-judicial foreclosure states if we had to enforce our rights, that it would not take as long or cost as much and get drawn out, because the longer it gets drawn out, more damage often happens to a property. So if you can avoid that, if you underwrite it well up front. But what is the, what's the sweet spot? Well, I can tell you that based on the stats that we see of what's mostly seller finance. So it tends to be your median average valued home or less for the area. That's where we see most of the seller financing come in. So on a national basis, it's like a $240,000 balance. But by area, you can break that down, and it's usually at the median or below that's that's the sweet spot. It's definitely your affordable housing range or your average housing range. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would say non-judicial states um, tend to be more favorable as well. But there's, I like them in a in a regular area. But we buy notes in rural areas. You just have to be careful. They're not too rural. That there are opportunities for resale or for making employment income or the people have income. We, we do notes on land and mobile home and land. I mean, this isn't just your bread and butter residential, a lot of mixed use property where there might be some commercial and residential use. You just have to watch that your investment to value, like you were speaking of earlier, is a lower on those higher risk types of properties. Tracy, unfortunately, we are out of time. Appreciate you being here today to educate us about how to create our own notes and also looking forward to seeing you at the 2023 National Real Estate Summit. Again, WMKVFM.org for more information about that. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.